0: want to start by rereading the first little bit from Paul's letter to the Galatians from this morning. He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. And the first thing, my first reaction when I read that, preparing for this homily, was, oh great, don't use your your freedom for self-indulgence just as we enter into summer holidays, and that's exactly what we want to do, is just self-indulge with the drink in our hand, basking in the sun, and swimming in the pool. But what is he saying? He starts by saying, for freedom Christ has set us free, and then he says, become slaves for one another. So what is it, freedom or slavery? How can it be both? What is he telling us that is offered to us in our faith in Christ Jesus? Well, first, what does Jesus set us free from? He sets us free from sin and death. And so why does he warn us not to use our freedom for self-indulgence? Because he's warning us against the temptation of using our freedom for ourselves, for our own self-determination. And the value of freedom nowadays is very high. This freedom of choice, this freedom of expression, it's a very high value in our society, but that freedom is all about self-determination. It's all about how I get to establish myself in the way that I want to. And I think what St. Paul is warning us of is that the more that we use freedom for our own self-determination, the more we alienate ourselves from others. And we end up attaching ourselves to things. What he's telling us is that we are supposed to detach ourselves from the slavery to things so we can make ourselves slaves to each other out of our freedom. What does that look like? Well, in our first reading, the prophet Elisha, Elijah comes to Elisha and says, I want you to follow me. I want you to be my disciple. I want to to prepare you to be the next prophet of Israel. And Elisha's got 12 oxen. 12 oxes as his property in the land that goes with it. And what does he do? He goes back, kills all 12 oxen, boils their flesh, and gives it away. What is he doing? He's making sure he has nothing to go back to. He gets rid of everything that he owns so that he can freely follow Elijah moving forward. How many of us, if our houses burnt down, could just go, okay, let's move on. And how many of us, it would be devastating for what we would lose in that house fire because we are attached to those things and the comfort or the memory that it brings for us. But do we really need those things? And the same thing in the Gospel. It seems harsh what Jesus is saying to these people who seem to want to follow him, but what he's telling them is, are you free enough to let go of what is at home to come and follow me? Because it sounds harsh, but when we hear of the calling of the apostles, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, leave their nets and their boats and their father and get up and follow Jesus. They have the freedom to let go of those things in order to enter into that relationship with Jesus. And the people in the gospel today struggle to leave those things behind. They're attached to things rather than the person. They don't have the freedom to make themselves slaves to another out of love. And we do this in our life and in our culture. We become slaves to things without even really realizing we become slaves to it. How do we do this? Well, we have a certain expectation of what our standard of living should be. And so we go, and we, some of us go to school, some of us work in our jobs, to get the amount of money that we feel we need to maintain the standard of living that we think is appropriate for our state in life. And so we go and we work hard, and we make the money, and then we come back to our comforts of home, but then The more that we work, the less time we have for other people. And so the time off that we have, we want to maximize what we do with that time. And so we look for the best and the greatest thing that we could do with that time, because just sitting around at home with other people, that's not good enough in the short amount of time that we have. So we spend more money to have bigger experiences. But we might not have made enough money in the work that we did, so we use our credit card to pay for it, and now we have to pay off our credit card and we have to work harder to make the money that we need, and we get become slaves to the job, and slaves to the money, and we have less and less time for people. We're caught in that because our culture pushes us into that. Sometimes we become slaves unwillingly because it's the expectation of our employer. But a lot of us are slaves to it. And the more that we become slaves to that job, to money, to the comforts that we feel that we need in our life, the more that they get in the way of our relationships with others. They always do. They always do. This freedom for the sake of self-indulgence will always get in the way of our ability to love others. Just this week we had... Two young men in our diocese ordained deacons, the last step towards the priesthood. And one of the things that happens in the rite of ordination for deacons, and then it's repeated again at priesthood, is that they take a promise of obedience. And so they come forward to the archbishop and kneel before him, and they stick out their hands kind of in a form of prayer, and the bishop wraps his hands around them and then asks them, do you promise respect and obedience to me and to my successors? Now, a lot of people hearing that and looking that, why would you place, why would you give obedience to another human being? How is that a good thing that takes away your freedom to choose and make your life what you think it should be? But what obedience is for us in the church is this slavery to others out of love. That the man who takes this promise of obedience at the diaconate and at the priesthood is saying, in love, I make myself obedient to you, Archbishop, because I want to serve the Church and all of God's people. And this promise of obedience is intended to pull the priest away from attachment to things in this life so he can serve God's people. So he doesn't get preoccupied with his next vacation and with the next thing that he needs to purchase, but he becomes obedient for the sake of love. Now, married couples, you don't make a promise of obedience on your wedding day, but you kind of do. When you say, I promise to be faithful to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to love you, to honor you all the days of my life, you are enslaving yourself to this person in these vows. Good times and bad, sickness and health, to love and honor until the end out of love you are willingly making yourself a slave to your spouse in obedience. Because when we have the freedom from things, we can make our slaves out of love. We can make ourselves slaves out of love. And this is what St. Paul is inviting us to because what are the two primary causes of divorce? Infidelity and financial issues. people let their passions distract them, or money get in the way of a relationship, letting things pull them away from love. This is what St. Paul is warning us about. This is why Jesus' freedom, gift of freedom to us from sin and death, the freedom from sin and death is the freedom from attachment to things of this life so we can begin to live now what will be for eternity, which is love, because God is love. And so if we don't receive that gift of freedom, we cannot live in the love of God that we find in each other. That's the freedom of our Christian faith, if we accept it, if we embrace it. Because sin is incompatible with love, they cannot coexist. So the moment we let sin, the moment we let our attachments to worldly things get in the way of love, it doesn't work. That's why St. Paul tells us that the flesh is opposed to the spirit, because the flesh that is drawn to things of this life pulls us away from the spirit that leads us to each other and to God. So because I'm kind of an old curmudgeon Here's my challenge for you to think about for summer holidays. If our weather did not change from what it has been for the rest of the summer, would it ruin your summer? If you couldn't spend multiple nights sitting out on the deck late into the night because it just rains every day, would you be frustrated at the outcome of your summer? because you're attached to your idea of what your summer holiday should look like? Or does the freedom of the summer days to spend more time, slow down your life, and just be with others become the gift and the freedom of your summer holidays this year?